This is episode 54 of the Just Get Started podcast, and my guest today is the CEO of Lawline and author of The Fast Forward Mindset, David Schnurman. Let's get it started. Hey gang, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey. I can't believe we are halfway through 2019. It's just going by so fast, pretty insane, um, and have some great guests upcoming on the podcast in the next few months. Um, and it actually starts with one I have today, and David Schnurman. Um, so let me introduce him. I'll do a quick bio, um, just so everyone can be up to speed on David before we jump into the episode. So David is the CEO of Lawline, the leading provider of online continuing legal education in the country. The company recently celebrated serving over 130,000 attorneys with over 3 million courses completed. Uh, David is also the current president of Entrepreneurs Organization of New York. We talk about Lawline and EO, um, Entrepreneurs Organization, during the podcast as well. Um, David is also a newly minted author. He just launched the Fast Forward Mindset how to be more fearless and focused to accelerate your success um, just about a couple weeks ago. So um, the book shares his personal entrepreneurship journey, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and how he applied a very simple formula to overcome the mental, physical, and professional obstacles that arose on his path to where he is today. So really incredible guy. Um, I was fortunate to get introduced to him by a former guest, Brian Wish. Um, and had a fun time talking to David. A lot of great insight. Really interesting to see his story and his journey on, you know, it's not always roses where you jump out of the gate and um, things work out. You know, he talks a little bit about some bumps and bruises along the way, you know, how things didn't maybe work out early on as he thought they would and, you know, had to level the ship um, as he got later in his 20s. So um, some really rich insight here. I think you guys will absolutely enjoy. Um, So let's jump into the episode. Uh, Why wait? Without further ado, let's jump into the conversation with David Schnurman. Let's get it started. David, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining today. Thanks for having me, Brian. Well, I'm, I want to take like 15 different tangents with you because I got a lot of good questions, uh, a lot of stuff from just your background, the things you're doing. But before that, let's level set. As I always like to kind of begin a lot of these uh, conversations with, maybe if you could help us out you know, I know you're involved in a lot of different stuff, you know, we'll get into law line, we'll get into the book and stuff like that. But I'd love if you could kind of take us on a journey, maybe early on in your life, um, especially as you kind of went up through adolescence and and slowly getting to college, just some of the things I'm always curious, like, especially from an entrepreneur's mindset, did you always have that? Was that something that came on later? Um, Was there anything family upbringing that sparked that? I'm wondering if you could share a little bit of that early on, and that'll kind of get us going on the uh, on the journey here. Yeah, absolutely. So I've I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. When I was in middle school, I used to walk through like Staples and Office Depot. It's about eighth grade or so, and I used to pretend all the things that I was going to be buying for my business someday. So I would get like a basket and then put in like the cash box and you know binders and clips and rulers. And like, that was my fun <laughs> for whatever it's worth. And so that's, I always visualized the business when I was in high school, I used to read entrepreneur magazine and in the, at the back of the magazine was all the franchises that you could buy. I used to cut out the ones that I was going to buy someday. 
And then when I got into college, I started reading like, you know, self-help and, and business books really till I, I was blue in the face of, of books that, you know, were inspiring, but didn't really teach me how to be an entrepreneur. And the thing is though, I, I almost never became an entrepreneur because I don't know, five years after, I thought within three years of graduating college, I'd have my own business and, and be, you know, somewhere around seven figures in income from that business. And five years after graduating, and I think it was my fourth sales job, I started to panic that I would never become that person that I've always visualized in my head. And so I, I, I joke because I did what any budding entrepreneur would do. And I actually did what my dad wanted me to do. And I went to law school. And it was in law school where I, you know, I was really trying to dedicate myself to build a profession for the next 30 years. And it was my second year of law school where a couple instances happened that really kind of changed my, my path in life. And my second year of law school, I started a, a cable access TV show. This was essentially a podcast, but on, on Manhattan Neighborhood Network in Manhattan. And I was doing what you're doing right now was interviewing entrepreneurs. And my goal was to, to learn what the books were not teaching me. And so my goal was to, within one year or less, to figure out the magic answer on how I could start a business before I graduated law school. So that was just to stop there. That was the journey that led to my entrepreneur path today. And, and if I can take a, a kind of flip back a page, you were talking about kind of growing up and having some of those tendencies did you have a lot of support from family? Like, did you talk about that or was that more internally you kind of thought, or did you share like, Hey, I'm going to start a business. I'm going to do these different things. Or were you pretty much kind of straightforward, good student kind of didn't really talk about that too much. So just to give you some sense, my dad uh, is, has retired, but he was a personal injury attorney and he owned his own firm. And funny, like up until like recently, I never thought about that as being an entrepreneur. I just said, my dad's a lawyer. But the one thing that my dad had that really stood out to me that most people don't have in their life is he really loved what he did. And he, he looked at himself as a personal injury attorney, as Robin Hood, who got from the rich insurance companies and gave to mo most of his client, clients who were poor. So I had that positive mindset, somebody who controlled their time and did you know, and own their own business, I guess, subconsciously in my head. The, the thing is that I don't, I was never that kid who had a lemonade stand or who sold things on the side or, or did anything like that. So ultimately the, the wanting to be an entrepreneur was really in my head. I think that if you had to ask me then it was, it was partly connected to, I never, I knew I would never want to do something that didn't make me feel good about myself, feel happy, and most importantly, give me the personal freedom to live the life that I, I wanted to. And of course, entrepreneurship opens up those doors in many ways. So, so I think that the want of entrepreneurship had to do with my want to be creative, want to build things. And, and entrepreneurship, of course, is a really good path to do that. So if we can kind of, you know, go a little bit deeper on the, especially leaving college. So I'm really curious because you mentioned that of, Hey, I wanted to, you know, be making six figures, starting a business, all that one, what happened? Did you just kind of fall into the, I think a normal society of like, Hey, I'm just going to get a job after. And then you kind of fell into that trap or what, why do you think 
uh, you didn't start that business right out of college? Because I was being ridiculous. I didn't, I, I had a mindset, but I didn't take, I didn't just get started, right? I just had a mindset, oh, this is going to be easy. But yeah, I applied to jobs. My first job was $27,000 salary at 24-7 Media. And it was a great time to work at companies like that during the dot-com boom. This was in 1999-2000. We went to tech parties every week, every day almost. It felt like there was another uh, happy hour or party we were going to. It almost was an extended college. And then you start looking around and getting used to it. I was in a sales job, which is a really tough job, but a the best experience you can get. And all of a sudden, yeah, that, that just becomes your new normal. And you almost constantly say, okay, in three years, in three years. So yeah, I just, I had ideas, but I never did anything to act upon them, nor did I know how to. And so I did the next best thing was do what you're supposed to do, which is get a job to support yourself. And, and the transition of trying to go to law school or go back, you know, go back to school after being on hiatus for a few years, what was that like? Because obviously law school is not easy. Yeah. Um, what was that like, that experience? So it started, believe it or not, right after 9-11. So I, the day of 9-11, you know, I woke up just like anybody else. I'm in, I'm in Manhattan. I saw the first building get hit. And then, you know, I saw the second building get hit. And believe it or not, I still went to work because you didn't realize the gravity of the situation. And I remember thinking, this is a terrible tragedy, but the fires will be put out. People will go downstairs and that will be that. And then, of course, the first building fell and everything stopped. I looked at my boss and said, I need to leave right now. I think... I only lasted at that job another two weeks. I was not happy in the job. It was just another sales job. And I just, it just sort of affected me in a way like you got to do what you love and you got to figure it out quickly because, you know, you realize what's important. And so without a job lined up, the first thing I did was become a real estate broker because anybody can, you know, take a real estate ex a salesperson exam and do that. And I actually did a really good job as a real estate broker. But the, the process of studying for the exam is very similar to some degree of, you know, law school in a way, because there's a lot of legal stuff about being a broker and things you can and can't do. And I was out of school for about like four years by this point. And it was at that point where I really enjoyed that. And I, I excelled actually in that area. And that's where I started thinking, by the way, all my dad ever wanted me to do since lost, my dad came from nothing literally had to drive a taxi in law school, had almost full scholarship, single mother. She was first generation. And it was because of law school and the chance that law school gave him that allowed him to build up who he is today in his career. Of course, so that's all he ever wanted me to do. And as a stubborn teenager kid or whatever that is, it became the last thing I wanted to do for a long time. Um, and not for ill will, it just wasn't for, for what I wanted to do. And I knew I didn't want to be a personal injury attorney, but I think after working for four or five years and, and, and maybe thinking the entrepreneurship dream that it was in my head potentially wasn't there. I, I think I had a moment of maturity and said, you know what, I can spend the next 30 years of my career in a really noble profession, having an impact on, on people's lives, or at least having clear direction. And so after I took the real estate exam. I was a broker for about a year and a half. I applied to law schools. 
And then in 2006, I got into New York Law School and, and started the, my journey there. And how was that experience getting to law school and, and going through that? I'm assuming you, without knowing, I'm going to ask, like, did you go through and graduate and pass the bar and everything? Did you go that far? Or? Yep, I did. I, so I was, it was interesting because having been out in the workforce for five years, um, a lot of my colleagues in school were straight out of college. So it was actually more like college than I expected, you know, just from, I guess, the maturity level of a lot of the students there, just, you know, in that area. And so um, I would say it was actually a great experience. You, you, you learn a different way of thinking. New York Law School is a great school. Um, and I was able to focus and you get the opportunity, which entrepreneurship provides as well, is to think. You know, yes, you're in school. Yes, you're studying a lot. But you you have out like when I took the bar exam, I was literally and this is not really thinking, but this is a different way of thinking. I you know you spend two months studying for it. I was in Starbucks twelve hours a day, doing practice exams and studying and doing all that stuff. I was working so hard at that that I would in the middle of my the night I would be dreaming about filling out the exam. Like that's how hard your mind is working, and a lot of times you know you know, when you get a job, sometimes you work the first six months, maybe the first year to get it accustomed to it. And then unfortunately for many of us, we get stuck in our comfort zone the next X amount of years of our lives or, or potentially for almost forever. And that's sort of what scared me and prompted me most recently to spend two years writing a book called The Fast Forward Mindset. So I, per so I, I wouldn't get stuck in my comfort zone because I have many times and so law school was an opportunity for me to get out of my comfort zone and, and push myself a little bit harder. Yeah. So I guess that's a good transition then with, with law line. So I want to learn a little bit more about this and, and how that originated. And if you can kind of give the backstory a little bit, and then we'll, uh, we'll kind of go down that path. Sure. And great questions. I really, really appreciate these questions. So I just want to give you a shout out right away. Thank you. Um, so let's start. It once again starts with my dad. So in 1985, he had a TV show called Lawline. So he was way ahead of his time. He was he was the first true podcaster, right? And th this show was on uh, like a public access or PBS, and he was paying thousands of dollars a month. He thought it would be a way to get new clients, but it ended up just being similar to what we do today, which what we're doing right now to meet really interesting people. And in 1999, when uh, the, during the dot com boom and continuing legal education became mandatory in New York. He had an idea with his partner and my mom was actually involved too, to take the TV show and create an online education company called Lawline. So they invested a lot of time and money into it. And their hope was to potentially merge with other companies, then do what everyone else was doing at the time was go public, make millions of dollars and retire. Unfortunately, the market crashed, things went back, you know, got to reality. And within about a year of trying that venture, they um, dissolved the corporation and went back to practicing law. But he never shut down the website and it had about 10 courses on it. And every year it would, people would come and they would maybe spend $1,000 a month in total or you know something like that, but they were losing money on it. And my, my mom and my dad's partner, they, they wanted my dad to just shut the website down. It's a waste of time, a waste of energy, a waste of money. And my dad's never like in life throwing things away. He knew there was something there and he just kept it. And so when I was in law school, 
and I started a TV show, I was using this camera that I got from my honeymoon to interview entrepreneurs. I remember thinking, well, what if I started interviewing lawyers? I took those interviews and I turned those into courses. And then I got them accredited. And I took the, the concept uh, of Lawline and right away said, we've been around since 1999 versus a new company starting in 2006 to give us the credibility that we needed to get started. And, and I talked to my dad and his partner and they were ecstatic because there was nothing happening there. And I said, let's, let's give this a go. And I remember thinking, you know, with nobody putting effort in, it's making, you know, a couple thousand or a thousand dollars a month, depending on the month. If I just put 20% of my time in, you know, maybe I could double that. And so that was, so the, the goal was before I graduated law school, because I knew how hard it'd be working for the bar, I had to set up everything I could. So after the bar, I can hit the ground running. And so my third year of law school, I had two interns working for me. One of them was a law student. I only went to school two days a week. I put my classes in, you know, full days for those two days. And three days I worked on building the business. That's pretty incredible to, uh, and, and one, did, did, you, did you ever did talk with your dad, like the story around, like, why did he want to start a public access TV show? Like, what was the origin of that? Was that something he always wanted to do? And it was just random or? Yeah. So clearly there's something in our DNA or something like for him, he thought it was, a, for him, he always believed in advertising, you know, all advertising works. You just don't know which, you know, which half is what's working. And so for him, he was just ahead of his time. Like he was, you know, quote unquote, the self-proclaimed Larry King of law. Maybe there's an article that said it. So he thought it was a way to get business. He thought he was going to do these interviews and clients would be knocking down the door. But what happened was he ended up interviewing judges and prominent lawyers all in the New York city area. So he became, he, he ended up getting to be known as, you know, somebody everybody wanted to know because they wanted to get on the show. And so that's, that's how it got started and, and just built up from there. Originally, believe it or not, I remember that because I was, you know, I was in the 80s, uh, I was a kid then, they were, they were trying to start a board game for, for Lawline. And I think somehow the board game turned into a TV show or something like that. But, you know, it, he, it was, he, he did it for 20, 25 years until he retired and then, uh, you know, kind of moved on. And, and now it just lives in uh, the archives of YouTube. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which, which happens with a lot of stuff, right? So, um, what, uh, so I want to talk a little bit about the, from, from a law line standpoint, like w was there a, and especially when you took it over and we're kind of trying to grow it, it, was there just nothing out there content wise, you know, for a lot of continuing education? I, you know, I know enough to be dangerous from a legal side probably, uh, but that's about my extent. So from continuing education, is there, is there certain accreditations lawyers need to take? Um, attorneys need to take each and every year. Like, tell me a little about that. What was this kind of a, a scratch your own itch type thing you thought would be relevant for you and, and wanted to grow it? Or did you see a big need out there um, just talking with your peers? Yes. Yeah, so there's a lot of competition because it's a mandatory thing. And so there's bar associations, there's small businesses that do it, you know, more mom and pop shops that only focus in one specific state. Then there's billion dollar companies who sort of, you know, are in the game and there's large nonprofits that do $50 million a year as well in this space. One of the things that I saw in 2006 was when you went to all those websites, they were terrible. You know, obviously everything was different in 2006, 
but they were, you know, video cameras in the back of a, a 500 person lecture hall with four old white men sitting on a table on, on a, on a stage kind of just talking. And so I knew there was an opportunity to create video that was designed for the web. And so we filmed it directly into the camera, more intimate. And I knew there was a better way to make the site look better and to be more user-friendly. So from the beginning, it was about making the product easier, more convenient, better quality, really good content at a affordable price that would allow attorneys to come with us, come back to us year after year. And so that was the motto. In terms of my personal passion, it's always been and still is, and my North Star is, and it's why I'm here today, is lifelong learning. And so part of lifelong learning is teaching is the best form of learning. A huge part of our business is faculty coming in to teach their, their knowledge to other people, to share their knowledge with others. And I practice what I preach. I te- I'm doing a TEDx in a couple of weeks. I just spoke at uh, a conference. None of those did I, do I, did I get paid or do I get paid for at least at this stage? But I do it, one, to give back, but two, it's just honing my craft. And even this conversation right now, I, I see as an opportunity to hone my story and my message. And so that's why I did it. And I just love building things. It was just a great opportunity to build something really special. And can you share a little bit more about running the company? What, what are some things maybe you know now that you wish you knew? you know, whatever, a dozen years ago or so, um, when things started out, I'm curious, you know, as you reflect back, what are some of the things that may be helpful for others that are just starting out, you know, maybe starting a business, getting into that, that they should be, you know, something may aware of or or take a look at prior. How much time do you have? (laughs) (laughs) We can go on for as long as we need. I know this is probably valuable for a lot of folks. So there's so much, there's so much, right. To go to, to work on in that area. And it depends on where you are at which point in your business. I can tell you this, your mindset is the most important thing that you can focus on as a leader, because if you're not able to have the right mindset, you can't, if you can't focus on yourself and grow yourself, you're never going to be able to be a better leader. And so early on, you know, one of the important things for me and what helped us grow is we took a lot of action. I took a lot of action. I got things started. And that was really great. And we grew essentially in five years from zero to $5 million. And we had a lot of things going on. We had a lot of ideas. What happened was over the next five years, action only got us so far because there's only so many ideas a business can have at once. There's only so many different focuses. There's only so far you can go without process. So once we hit that, that past $5 million stage, we had to rebuild our entire foundation and process and system and structure from the ground up from our website to our entire um, functions of a company. And we actually brought in a, a coach. And one of the things that I saw, he worked with our executive team, he still works with us. One of the things that we never did effectively was have you know three-year initiatives, annual priorities, quarterly priorities, daily huddles, coaching. We didn't have anything set up like that. So it was more sort of kind of off the cuff. So it's just understanding as a business owner when to make the transition of just doing, which is so important because it's better than, than not doing. 
But one of the problems is, and again, just going to what I've been focusing on a lot and with the book is a lot of times entrepreneurs get out of their comfort zone, but they can't stay out because they don't have the focus. So the, the two areas that I, I would share with entrepreneurs is, is work on how to nip fear in the bud to, to get, overcome fear once you, you do things in your business. And I've learned, I can share techniques if you want. I could share four techniques if you want, but I'll, I'll let you decide on literally how I did that with all the different challenges that I faced over the years that I used time in and time out. And then if you really want to have the impact in your business and you really want to grow, there's no way to do it without real focus. That's actually probably a good transition. You mentioned mindset there and, and I want to talk a little about the book. Um, if that's okay, can we go on that tangent? That, that, hey, it's it's releasing tomorrow, so I'm, I'll talk as much as you want about there, it. There you go. Well, and I was actually, it was really cool um, looking on Amazon and stuff and um, and actually a book that's been talked about, I'd probably say half a dozen times plus on this podcast uh, with uh, Traction by Gino Wickman. I saw he had a, um, a little shout out to you from an editorial review. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so obviously that book, that's a, I, I've read that. I love that. So I, that's really cool. So obviously there's a lot of buzz around this. Talk to me a little about two things. One is why did you want to write a book? And then let's get into the writing process. What, what did you go? Did you self-publish? Did you use a publisher? I want to go down that avenue as well. Sure. So writing a book has been my North star since as far as I can remember. One of the reasons is I have got the biggest ROI in my life, hands down from reading books, more than my father, more than people, my, my wife, coaches from $15 books has given me, has changed my life. And because I get so much from so many books, I, I don't hesitate buying books. You know, half the books I, I start, I don't even finish because either I know the concept or just was badly written or didn't apply to me, but I don't care because it's that one book that I read, you know, six years ago that pays for the next 10,000 books I'm going to buy. And so I'll keep doing that. And because they've given me so much value, the same reason I believe teaching is the best form of learning, I knew when I had the right message to share that would have impact on entrepreneurs around me, I was going to write that first book. And I actually want to write a lot of books throughout the next 30 years. And so this, this though is the most important one because it's essentially for entrepreneurs, this first edition, and it's how to be more fearless and focused to fast forward your growth, which when you fast forward your growth, you're going to fast forward your impact. And when you fast forward your impact, you're going to have more success and happiness. And it was less about the, the results, but more about the effort you put in. So, so that's why I wrote the book. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Cool. And so the process, <laughs> I can write a book about the process itself. So it, it started about two years ago. I did a speech. I did a, a speech in front of about 350 attorneys about the, the the phrase that I coined at that time called the fast forward mindset, and it was about how I was able to look back at my life and realize the two biggest things holding me back in my life and in entrepreneurship was lack of confidence in myself and lack of focus. And then I also was able to realize how to break through those walls when I could and how to move forward. So when I look back in 20 years from now, I wouldn't have those two same things hold, holding me back. And 
I've, I've had a lot of accomplishments, but certainly for me, I've hit my comfort zone more times than I, than I can admit. So writing a book is 100%, at least it was, completely out of my comfort zone. And now trying to sell the book is 100% completely out of my comfort zone because it's really hard. And so the first thing I did was find a, after the, the speech, about 150 people emailed me telling me how much value they got from what I gave. I By the way, before even that, I hired a public speak because I wanted to do a really good job. I hired a public speaking coach to, to put together that presentation and that was really transformational. And so I really went into it and it's, the videos on my site, so you can you can be the judge. And then from there, I decided to hire a publisher, a small publisher, to help me publish the book. And then after writing for six months and getting stuck, I decided to hire the publisher to help to ghostwrite the book for me. And then about three months later, he gave me the first draft, and I read it. Really, no fault of his own. I just didn't like it. It just wasn't my voice. It didn't have. I, I didn't communicate the stories properly to him. And I just said, I have to redo it. <laughs> so I spent the next three to four months essentially redoing it from the ground up. And then I submitted it to my publisher and he read it. And I thought he was like, this is amazing. And he didn't say it was amazing, but he said it was had the bones. And so what we decided to do was rework it chapter by chapter. But when I resent it to him, he gave me a framework to change the whole concept of the book, which was the three steps. The book is now organized into three steps to get out of your comfort zone and stay out longer, which was a game changer because it really gave focus. And then it took us another three to six months to get it done. So there you go. I mean, it was, it was a process. It was a marathon. It was hard. And I loved almost every second of it. And how did you break up the writing? Were, were you writing, like, did you block out certain time? Did you go on, you know, a, a binge for seven days and just write, write, write and didn't do anything else? How did you break it up? So one of the things I loved doing the most when I was writing stories, because there's a lot of stories in the book about not the, it's about the 10% of the, the, the tougher time. So I, I write about a lot of the challenges that I had growing Lawline because I know we all face them in entrepreneurship. And I wanted to make it clear to everyone they're not alone, but I also wanted to show them how I got through it so they can use that as an example, or potentially I didn't get through it so they can see what happened there. And so one of the things I loved doing was I would go to Starbucks as early as six in the morning on a Saturday, because I have three kids, so you got to do it before they get up. And I would literally take 30 to 40 white sheets of paper. And I would take this pen that I love that you can write for hours with, and I would hand write for, out, for two hours these stories. And then I would take those handwritten stories that I did, and I would go on Upwork, and I would hire somebody to type up what I wrote, you know, so I can have it the next day. And so that's what I did for a lot of the stories. And then, of course, I would just type at all hours of the night, in the morning. One of the most common questions in my house from my kids was, are you still working on that book? Oh, my goodness. Well, so you got the book. Obviously, it's, you know, it's, it's going to launch. It's on Amazon. I'm looking at it right now. Um, so obviously, there's a lot of excitement around that. So talk through that process of how, how are you going to promote it? What are some things you're going to do? Is it going to be like a book tour type? What are some things you're going to try to do to, to kind of get the word out there? So first thing I did was six months ago, hire Brian Wish. And Brian has been helping me put together a lot of content to put out to the world. And Brian is an amazing marketer. He works with many authors and entrepreneurs to put content out there. 
And one of the things I realized early on was regardless of how successful the book is, I, and there's a statistic only like 5% of people actually buy like self-help and improvement books. So if I really want to truly have the impact that I, that I desire, I need to take that message beyond the book. So he started working with me and I, in the past six months, I've been putting a lot of content out there on LinkedIn and other areas that's all from the book, but just sort of putting it out there almost as teasers. And actually it's been amazing. I've built a pretty decent following when I'm, you know, cause I'm being authentic and I'm getting a lot of people to comment on me and on the, on the book. And then what I've been doing over the past three months or so is we've created a launch team of people who really want to help promote the book and review the book, who've, who've gotten advanced copies of the book. I have a, a large network that I've been working with for a long time. I'm, this is probably the 10th podcast that I've done. I am going to be doing social media promotions. I'm going to be speaking. There's a lot to be done, but I, a lot of times, and by the way, I have a, a 30 day challenge in the book and we have a Facebook group for this 30 day challenge that essentially a 30 day challenge you can do for the rest of your life. And every day you answer three questions. What actions did you take yesterday? What are you focusing on? What is your number one fear today? And what are you focusing on tomorrow? And just my number one fear generally for this process is I'm going to do a lot. I'm going to go through all the motions. I'm going to check all the boxes, but it's just really hard to get through the noise of all the amazing books and authors that are out there. So of course it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint, but that, that's, that's the fear that I have is, is I know I have a message to share, but it's, you know, sometimes it can just be getting on that one show that has a million followers or whatever that is that builds the momentum that you can, that you can really build off of. And that's what I'm trying to figure out. And I think that's, you know, that's not a strategy. Like hope is not a strategy. So for me, it's just plugging away and working as hard as I can. And it's not about sales of the book. You know, it's about, but you know, that's the scorecard, but it's about fast forwarding millions of people's of impacts so they can, you know, transform other people's lives around them through entrepreneurship and other areas. Yeah, that's really cool. Looks like you got a good stable of folks. Uh, obviously, you know, Brian, awesome guy, former guest, uh, you know, friend of the program. So uh, awesome that he's yeah, helping awesome. you out and and getting that through. Um, I, actually, no, I, so I want to actually talk about Entrepreneurs Organization for a second, but I, I do want to take a, a slight turn because you talk about marathons there. Did I see you run a lot of marathons? Is that right? So, like yeah. So in 2013 or maybe 2011, no, 2011, I ran my first marathon. And the reason I ran, it was a really, it's actually a big turning point for when I look back on where the fast forward mindset came from. And I read the book. Have you ever read the book, The Success Principles by Jack Canfield? I haven't. Okay. So this book transformed my life and only was a couple of principles. It had about 70 principles in it. Principle number 54 was keep your agreements. And what Jack shares this story in this book about, you know, he teaches a class and a lot of times people sign an agreement in the class that they won't come late. And a couple of days later, some people come late and he says, oh, well, you broke your agreement. And one of the guys says, well, it's not my fault. I couldn't control traffic. And then Jack looks at him and goes, well, if I told you somebody you loved would die, if you showed up late, what would you do? Because, well, if that was the case, I would never leave. And while it's an extreme example, it's designed to show you, you have a lot more control over the commitments that you make than you think. 
And at that time, when I read that book, especially as a new entrepreneur, I was breaking commitments left and right. I was canceling meetings with my people in my company 10 minutes ahead of time. I was telling my wife I would clean the dishes and then I'd fall asleep and I wouldn't do it. And from a health standpoint, I would wake up every day and say, I'm going to work out today. I have three-year-old twins. And so I was just like not doing it. And I would just like be down on myself. So after I read that, I remember thinking, and the most I ever ran at that time was like, you know, a 5K. What's the scariest commitment I can think of to do that I, if I can hold myself to? And that was running a marathon. And so the next week I bought tickets to the Philadelphia Marathon. And in and, and four months, I went from not being able to run a 5K to finishing the Philadelphia Marathon. And one of the main reasons I realized I was able to do it was the focus that a training plan provides you. It allows you to, to really push forward because you have dates and you have goals to set it forth. And as soon as I finished the Philadelphia Marathon, I sat, signed up for the New York City Marathon. And then, and then I did one more marathon after that. So it, it was really about keeping the commitment with myself and transforming myself from, I don't consider myself an athlete, from someone who's never run a lot before to a marathon runner. And when I was able to do that, in my mind, I could, anything I set myself to commit to, I could do anything. And to this day, when I create commitments with somebody, I treat it as if my child's life is on the line if I don't keep it. And that's why by accident, when I was setting this meeting up, I, I don't know if you got that message, but it, it, it canceled the meeting, at least in my calendar. And I was like 20 minutes before. And that's just not, I would never do that unless like it was an emergency. That's why I emailed you to let you know that was an accident if it, if it did. Because, you know, even if there's things were falling apart here, if it wasn't urgent, I would keep this commitment to this podcast. Because imagine how you would look at me if I, if I canceled on you 20 minutes before. Maybe you were scheduled, maybe you wouldn't, but it's certainly, you do that over and over again in your life. You feel bad about yourself and other people feel bad. Look, look, look differently towards you. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. And, and that's pretty, you know, what's interesting. I'm always big on like serendipity and how that, you know, if you didn't read that book, right, how that transpired maybe the last several years to, to kind of help further you along. So that's pretty neat how stuff like that happens and um, just kind of changes, you know, who you are. So, um, yep. so one of the things I wanted to chat about here um, is the entrepreneurs organization. Obviously, it's pretty well known EO, right? How did you get involved with that? And obviously being the president of, of the new, I think, is it the New York chapter? Is that right? Correct. So how did you get involved with that? How did, and, and, and curious even more, how do you span your time to be, you're doing a lot of different stuff, obviously. So how do you stay commitments to those type of organizations? Um, obviously having your full time, you know, trying to run law line and those type of things. So Entrepreneurs Organization, it all goes back to the TV show that I started in law school. When I was doing the TV show, I went to a networking event. And one of the organizations that I met at that event was Entrepreneurs Organization. And I met one of the members and he said, well, if you're looking for entrepreneurs to interview, I got this great place, this organization. I went to a board meeting. And before you knew it, I was interviewing about a dozen members. And I remember thinking, wow, someday if I ever have a business, I would love to join this organization. And then I started Law Line and they had an opportunity for businesses. They called it Accelerator. If you're under a million dollars, but over a quarter million dollars, you can join it. So as soon as I qualified, I joined that. And then as soon as I qualified to join EO, because you have to have a million dollars more in revenue, which was, I think, in 2008, I joined EO. And because... My personal mission is to help entrepreneurs learn and grow. 
guess what? That's also the mission of EO. So it's just so aligned with my core values that when the right time came around, which was 10 years later, I was, I was on the board for five years and I had the opportunity. I knew the biggest way I can give back, have impact on the chapter was being president. And that's how I ended up being president. And uh, in June, I've been president since uh, June of last year. And then June 30th of this year, we pass it on to the next person. So along with those lines, and and again, you could use the marathon as a a small sample size, or maybe obviously a grander scale, but is there any, um, I don't, any daily goals that you have or or habits that you have to keep um, to yourself, like things that kind of keep you clicking if you miss them, the routines that, you know, kind of make you whole each day, is there certain things that you do to stay focused each day or make time management um, more achievable, anything like that? There is, and I'll tell you, when I miss it, I don't feel good about myself. So I'm gonna, spoiler alert, it goes back to a book. So uh, in 2013, I read The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. Do you know that book? No, I, I don't. I, and I need to read more. I am not an avid reader, <laughs> um, whether way, that's I'm, good or bad. I skim yeah. books, like you said. I read half of them. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah. I think I got the concept and I move on. Yep, so. totally. So I am, I call my, I'm a self-declared Shah which is a self-help addict. So to me, reading books is like, gives me energy. Of course you have, a lot of people are shelf help junkies where they read books and then just leave them on the shelf and don't do anything about it. So to me, it's really important to take action on books that you read. And so the miracle morning was all about waking up an hour earlier every day and focusing on yourself. And at the time I read the book, I didn't think of myself as a, a morning person. And I would hit snooze all the time and I'd wake up, I'd get right in the shower and I'd go to work. And so th- since that time frame, I ended up spending, I spent, you know, as much as, as long as, you know, I wake up and I'm dead tired, you know, I make sure to listen to my body. But the day, nine out of 10 times, the days where I spend 10 minutes journaling on the day before, 10 minutes writing about what I'm grateful for and 10 minutes reading a book or watching a video, those helps set my mind and structure. In addition, you know, for me, it's really important, you know, when, you know, exercise in in the routine. So one of the things that I've actually built into my routine, I started a seven month challenge and I just finished it last week and I'm I'm continuing doing it because I'd spent two days not doing it was just a basic seven minute workout every day. It's not a lot. You're not going to change your body type but it's the discipline of keeping it. And there's you know, some hard exercises in there, you know, that doesn't last too long. You feel good about the discipline. So it's really important for me to have some discipline every day in my life. And it helps you live a life by design of intention versus just waking up and seeing what happens. And so those are some of the things I do to write myself and, and just to get my mind set uh, every morning. So where can everyone connect with you online? Sure. So first thing I'll say, you can email me directly at david at lawline, L-A-W-L-I-N-E.com. Every so often people actually take me up and email me. So if you have any questions, I'm more than happy to help. I have the website, fastforwardmindset.com that just launched, or you can go to ffdwmindset.com. If you just Google David Schnurman from here, I'm sure you'll have links in your in the, the podcast you know, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, I'm all at David Schnurman. So 
pretty easy to find. So I always like to end these things um, really as a, as a, a kind of wrap up to the interview, your thoughts, um, and, and you can span the whole, you know, all the things you've learned throughout your life, right? Is there one piece of advice, or maybe it's two pieces, maybe it's a quote you live by, anything in particular that you'd like to share as kind of a lasting impression of, of David for the audience? Yeah, for me, one of the biggest things about why I wrote the book is I want to be able to look back on my life and, and know I, I lived a life and have no big regrets. And that's what scares me the most is when I'm 60 or 70 or whatever that time frame is. And I look back and I'm regretful that I didn't do what I thought I would do or, or act the way I thought I would. And so one of the things that in the book, in the process, the book is like therapy, right? In the process of doing all the research and putting it together and reading all my past journals for the book, I realized the two fundamental things that will prevent me from living a life with no regrets. So I'll share that with everybody. And of course, that's the whole concept of the book. So my hope is if you did get value and you, you, you read the book, you would feel like you have the tools to do that. So number one, it's not about the, what you achieve or what you build or what you gain. It's about how fearless and focused you are day in and day out. It's about the effort you put in versus the results that you have. Certainly over time, you would hope that leads to the results, but it's really important to not judge the results, just to judge the effort and the discipline that you're putting in to be more fearless and focused. So that's number one important thing to live a life with no regret. And the second thing, which helps transform your thinking is to focus on the impact that you're going to have on the world around you versus on what you want to achieve. Because once you start focusing on the impact, you're able to break through a lot more of the mental walls that will get in your way as an entrepreneur, as you're trying to build your business, as you're trying to do different things. And you're you're going to hit mental walls. It's a guarantee because the only way to have more impact and to grow is to get out of your comfort zone. And the definition of being out of your comfort zone is going to be uncomfortable. So you're going to have walls. So it's, it's having the mindset to enjoy to, when you hit a wall, just to like give yourself a pat on the back. That means you're doing something that's a little bit challenging. That means you're pushing yourself a little bit harder versus, you know, five years gone by and you're like, yeah, I don't have any, any real mental walls in my, in my way. Um, so, and which is totally fine if you, if you're, if you're, it's totally fine if you don't want, like if you're happy if where you are and you like, there's no mental anguish. But for most people I know and I talk to, they feel like they, they're not living to their full potential. And so that would be the two leaving thoughts is it's about how fearless and focused you are during the day and about how much impact you have will help you day in and day out, live a life with no regrets, as well as in 20 years, look back and, and know that you, you, you put it all in. David, this has been an absolute pleasure. I'm uh, glad that you were able to come on and chat through some of this stuff and, uh, and really appreciate the time. Well, well thank you, Brian. And I, I hope you got some value and I hope anybody listening you know, was able to take at least one thing from this. Because to me, it's about connecting with one person who can use this to, to have more impact on the world around them. So thank you for the time. 
Well, I hope you all enjoyed that episode or have been enjoying others along the way. Um, and if you don't mind, it'll really mean a lot if you guys head over to iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts and leave me a review. Let me know how I'm doing. Um, give me a rating on there. Um, I certainly appreciate that feedback to make this podcast better each and every episode. Um, and please connect with me online. Instagram's probably the best, um, at Brian Andreco. That's B-R-I-A-N-O-N-D-R-A-K-O. Or go ahead and check out my website, brianondraco.com. That's where I house a ton of random crap like the podcast and my CrossFit journey and a variety of other blog articles. Um, and sign up for my newsletter. Be sending a little bit of uh, inspiration each and every week that uh, may be useful for you. So I certainly appreciate guys listening in. Thanks again. I hope you have a phenomenal week, and we'll talk soon. Yeah.